Hey guys, Colleen Wolf from NFL Network. And look, you may or may not know I'm from Philly. I'm ride or die Philadelphia, but especially when it comes to sports. So you guys need to check out Mike Small on the Killing Me Smalls podcast. This guy crushes it, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say now. Hey, it's Justin Grasso from Sports Illustrated. You're killing me, Smalls. Enjoy the podcast. You're killing me, Smalls. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Killing Me Smalls podcast. I am your host, Mike Small. And if you're like I am, you like to listen to a lot of different podcasts. And I really like basketball podcasts. And one that I've liked for a long time, it's called In the Green Room with Harrison Sanford, who is the host, and Danny Green, who is uh, a former Tar Heel and former LA Laker and two t- three-time NBA champion with the Spurs, Raptors, and Lakers, and is the newest Philadelphia 76er. So I want to talk to Harrison about uh, their relationship, how the pod got started, and how Danny Green fits as a Sixer. And I think we're going to have a, a pretty fun conversation. Harrison, welcome to the Killing Me Smalls podcast. Thank you for having me. I must say, uh, top five podcast name. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of it. Uh, and yeah, and excited for the NBA season to get started. Start, excited to see um, how, how Danny's going to look uh, in Philadelphia, even though I must say, I still kind of wish we had another month before the season started. This is right back yeah. <laughs> after after uh, the Lakers won. It feels like there has been no break. Well, it doesn't feel like that in Philadelphia after getting bounced right away by the Celtics. <laughs> so we have had plenty of time. We got it. Yeah. The Eagles suck so bad. We got to get back into something around here. And the Phillies yeah. right now, I can't even talk about it. So how do you feel real quick? Uh, how do you feel about Jalen Hurts? All right. So if you can see over me, I'm going to, I'm going to adjust this camera. What does that say up there? Hold uh, on. <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, I've, we're big <laughs> Alabama fans in the small household. My daughter graduated from there, and my son went there. And um, so I'm a Dolphin fan, unapologetically, and I love me some Tua. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I've been, I've been hate tweeting Philadelphia lately about this because I don't think Philadelphia deserves Jalen Hurts. I love mm-hmm. Philly fans, but man, these Eagle fans are pissing me off. Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. is a stud. He's a high quality kid. A great kid, a great character kid with a lot of it factor. And if they don't appreciate him, I'm going to be really disappointed. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough situation for Jalen to be in. Yeah, it's so interesting how, how obviously you know if we when we start talking about basketball, you know, we'll illustrate just how important superstar players are. Uh, but in football, it's such a team sport. If you don't have an offensive line, um, you're really behind the eight ball. Well, no offensive line, no impact receivers that can get open. I mean, and poor Carson Wentz, I think, has turned into David Carr. Because if you remember David Carr, when he was originally the original draft pick of the Houston Texans, had a lot of talent, but they had no offensive line. And he just got buried and kind of played his career with PTSD. And I think that's what's happening to Carson Wentz right now. Yeah, it's un- it, 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 it's unfortunate if you're an Eagles fan because obviously – um, the expectations for the team were, yeah. were higher than this. But, hey, it is the NFC East. It's still wide open. <sighs> yeah, for sure. Hey, so let's get in. Let's get into to you and your background. So Danny Green was one of the best players in America in high school. And he ended up going to North Carolina, won a national championship. 
tell me how you met him, how your relationship evolved. You became a sportscaster in large part practicing interviewing this guy. So can you tell us the story? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've known him for about over 15 years. Uh, as you said, he was uh, one of the best high school players in the country. Yeah. Um, and because of that, there was a, one of my high school friends left. Danny went, so Danny went to St. Mary's High School. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went to a school called Lawrencewood Mayor. Uh, academy. So Danny was one on one of the best teams in the country, if and definitely obviously the state. I played on a high school team that was one of the best in the state, but not one of the best in the country. Uh, like it was two different like levels there. What and because Danny's team was so good, one of his high school teammates left uh, St. Mary's and came to my school. And so all of a sudden I gained a mutual friend between my, between myself and Danny, uh, our friend who transferred to my school. And um, that also let me know just how good that my, my high school basketball team was to the point where they were getting kids to come in to play for the team, which also let me know my career did, wasn't gonna go too far in high school and ba basketball in general. Uh, so I started picking up a pen and a pad and I would travel around the country I mean, the states, rather yet, sorry, uh, covering the best high school basketball players and writing articles about them from Zavarian High School in Brooklyn to Cardoza High School in Queens or Christ the King High School in Queens. Mm -hmm. or uh, So I would do that for a while and I would check out all in the Northeast area. I would check out some of the best high school players, write articles about them. And I guess that just fostered my love to cover sports in general. Um, so with that, I stayed in contact and doing that, I obviously had to cover Danny as well, besides us having this mutual friend. Mm -hmm. So I think he always knew what my goal was in life to cover sports for a living. And then uh, obviously I knew what his goal was uh, for himself, obviously being one of the best high school basketball players in the country at the time. So life just kind of evolved. He went to North Carolina, I went to Cornell and he had a level of success there. and. I was fortunate enough to go to Cornell when they went to the NCAA tournament three years in a row. And I was a part of uh, the student newspaper sports department. I was like an editor for the sports team there. So continue to just rack up experiences as a sports. Got to give a shout out to Steve Donahue, the coach. Steve uh, Donahue, yes, His brother is one of my best friends. So uh, oh, Steve's yes. been really good to the, to the podcast and, and to the small family. So nice. shout out to yes. Steve. Yeah, very. I was very fortunate to be there when uh, we had we had some good teams there for a while, relative to you know what you would expect from an Ivy League team. So that was fun. Uh, and then I started to have experiences um, as a producer in Houston once I graduated, and then I started getting my on camera uh, experiences and and jobs starting in uh, Albany, Georgia, which is about three and a half hours south of Atlanta, two hours north of Tallahassee, and I got to cover uh university of georgia football a bunch of high school football um and junior college sports and then after being there i went to columbus ohio uh, for a statewide broadcast tv station where i covered everything from the cincinnati Bengals to the cleveland cavaliers um and then once uh, i had a, once my sports department in ohio after about three and a half years i uh, decided to close shop and go to more of a, a news operation mm -hmm. um I post I, I post Danny with the opportunity to do a podcast 
because uh, I know he, because I knew he always wants to get into broadcasting. So it became a point where I could help him, he could help me, uh, and I had time on my schedule. And 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 two titles later, two and a half years later, here we, and three teams later, mm-hmm. uh, here, here we are. When I was in North Carolina, um, Kenny Smith uh, had just graduated, and I got to know him pretty well through a mutual friend, and it was his sole. You know, uh, it, it was his dream to obviously play in the NBA, but also have a career in sports broadcasting. And it sounds like Danny's kind of taken that same path. And uh, and it's pretty cool to see the podcast is really good. You guys have had some amazing guests. Yeah, no, yeah, we've, we've been very fortunate um, to get some good guests, uh, whether it's James Worthy, Isaiah Thomas. Um, Jeannie Buss. Jeannie Buss, Rob Palenka. Um, even dated back to season one, pretty much had the entire Raptors roster outside of Kawhi because it's Kawhi on yeah. the show. Um, yeah, we've been able to go kind of outside the box with some of our guests as well. So uh, it's been it's been great. I can't complain. And more than more than anything, um, just getting to talk to Danny uh, myself and having put putting that out to the public, uh, I think. Danny's basically the best guest of all time for me, <laughs> just because uh, he's very uh, transparent about. He's very uh, open on the on. podcast. I mean, I listened to your last one, and it was the it was the first one of your new season. It was right after Danny got traded to Philly. Um, well, right around the time it was announced officially, yes. <laughs> we knew about it for a couple of weeks. And um, he came on strong, man. He t- he he promised he was going to get Ben Simmons to shoot one three a game and. And push him to get shooting. Now, do you? Let me tell you something. Brett Brown couldn't do it. Um, Jimmy Butler couldn't do it. Nobody's been able to get this guy to shoot. What makes you think Danny Green's going to be able to fulfill his promise? Yeah, that's that. We're going to have to see how that one plays out. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to die on the stake on that one, huh? Yeah, no. We're going to have to see how that one plays out for sure. I do know uh, that he's been encouraged. Uh, by the newer coaching staff now to be yeah. uh, a bit more aggressive in shooting in the, in the pick in, in pick and roll situations or for the mid range at least or or near the hoop. So uh, at least be more aggressive when it comes to scoring in general. Uh, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, but from my estimation, I think with the way the team is now and, and kind of where they are this year being kind of ref- a referendum on the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid pairing. Um, why not? Why not shoot a little bit? And here's another factor too. There are no fans in this. There are no fans in the arena anymore to boo if he misses a three horribly, to cheer. Uh, obviously, to, maybe to cheer helps, but particularly the mental aspect of that part yeah, might be aided by the fact that there are no fans in the arena. And for the most part, when Ben Simmons sees somebody in front of him on the court, he's better than them in general. So yeah. he could take he could take the heat from a player that's not close to as good as him if he misses a jumper poorly because, well, that player might not even say anything to him because it's still Ben Simmons and they're going to operate with a level of fear that if I start popping at the mouth, He's going to come down the next possession and dunk on me. Uh, Here's one of the things you're going to learn about uh, Philadelphia fans is that, you know, there's the reputation 
that mm-hmm. they're so hard on their stars and everything else. They are the most supportive fans in the world when it comes to really wanting to help a player get through something. You know, one of the things that, you know, Markel Fultz, when he was with the team, oh yes, he was he couldn't shoot at all, right? And, you know, you remember the whole herky-jerky yeah. free throw and all that. But, man, whenever he took a shot, they cheered for him. They supported him. Um, if he missed it, they clapped anyway. And they're like that with Simmons. When he shoots a three, you know, the couple times he's done it, um, you know, it's 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 basically a standing ovation. It's it's lead yeah. it's lead on the Philadelphia local broadcasts. I mean, it's a big deal when he shoots it and even makes a three. Yeah. So it, it's if it's mental, which it, which it is, um, he will get supported for it by the fan base, whether they're in the crowd or not. He's just got to do it. Yeah, I I I feel a certain type of way about some of that. Uh, I I felt. I felt almost felt bad for him last year when he did hit that three and, and, and we saw the the joyous celebration for an M, for an NBA player hitting a three. Um, yeah, it was almost like a uh, six-year-old kicking a soccer goal, right? You know, he's yeah. like, if I'm Ben, I'm like, hey, I know I haven't done this before, but please let's not act like I can't do this. But um, no, I, I hope it doesn't become – he's too good of a player for that to be – uh, a sole focus because there's so much more that he can do. Maybe yeah. when you actually get to clutch time, maybe that becomes more of a, a, a discussion point. But there's so many other ways, obviously, that he can impact the game um, to kind of circle the, the conversation around his jump shot when he does so much more. Yeah. Um, I actually had a very long conversation about him last night. It was Pretty, uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. So, um, no, I, I, I hope the conversation was that on your podcast so revolved or, uh, his jump shot. Who, who did you have the conversation with about him? Oh, uh, so this was a conversation uh, amongst the homies. So, so you ready for this? Oh, okay, I could, I could, I could just take it there if you want. Yeah, just now let it take it, take me there. Yeah. So the okay, so the discussion was: Should the 76ers trade for James Harden? And the specific question—that's one was, of my questions. Yeah, I, I knew it was coming, so we can just yeah. <laughs> um, should they trade for? Should they if they do the trade for James Harden? Should it include Ben Simmons? And my specific, my immediate answer was no. Um, and because at the end of the day, well, then uh, there's no it, trade because that's all they want. They're not yeah, going to do exactly. it for Danny Green, Matisse Thibel, and Furkan Korkmaz, you know? Yeah. And it's got to be Simmons or Embiid. Yeah, I would think, yeah, obviously Tobias, uh, because of the salary, could make it happen. Yeah. I think you'd obviously have to wait another 30-day, I think they have to wait another 30-day period, even if they did want it, if they want to trade Danny, because yeah. you have I, I just, I just meant that. No, oh, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're not, if you're Houston, you're not doing that unless you're getting a star back or a boatload of draft picks that the Sixers don't have. Yeah, so I think it's going to have to come down to maybe a third team getting involved. But if 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 you think about it, in my opinion, there are three players in this league that could win you uh, a series, a playoff series, if not an NBA Finals. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, and Kawhi Leonard. Two-way guys, elite offensive players, elite defensive players who are built in a certain way that's almost unstoppable. They ha- they give their teams at least a 50-50 chance to win any playoff series just because of how much they can dominate the game. And if you don't have a suitable 
um, defender uh, for them on the opposite side, it could be completely over. And I yeah. think Ben Simmons is one of those three to five guys in the league that you could say, hey, guard Kawhi Leonard, guard uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, guard LeBron James. And wow, you, nobody's ever going to shut these guys down. This, right. oh, they, he has a chance of making them have their worst worst level performances on the scale of really good performances regardless of whatever. Yeah, he led the league last year in guarding star players and holding them to the lowest uh, percentage, which is which is why he was first team all defense. Yeah, he is a necessity. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to try and beat those guys and those guys So would you trade players. him for James Harden? Ben Simmons? Yeah. No, so I would for that for that fact alone um, on top of everything else that he does, if you trade him from James Harden, where are you going to find that player that can guard LeBron, KD, Giannis, Kawhi? There is none. Then you don't. Then you don't win this. Then you don't win that series anyway. Yeah. And so then, what? What did you? If you're trading for James Harden, you are trading to win an NBA championship. And if you don't have a, a person to guard those four aforementioned players, then you're not winning an NBA championship anyway. Well, Joel Embiid, I'm opinion. not, I'm not, I'm making the case here on, uh, to take the counter argument. Joel Embiid, when he's healthy, is is the dominant presence in the post in terms of defense. Danny Green is a good defender. Matisse Thybul can be an elite defender. I'm not saying they can guard Kawhi and and LeBron, but what I'm saying is if they had Harden. It's not like there'd be no defense like Houston last year. I I would agree. I just feel as if then the 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 powers that are within the likes of a Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis yeah. Antetokounmpo are then just too overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Matisse, Matisse is a very good defender, uh, especially coming off a rookie season. Danny is a quality team defender, a disciplined defender. Joel, Joel Embiid is probably one of the if not the best big man defender in the league, one of the best, uh, but it doesn't, in my estimation, we've seen the last teams that won titles. It was led by LeBron James, led by Kawhi Leonard, led by Kevin Durant. I want so, to, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So if you don't have a suitable defensive uh, matchup for those guys, I just think your chances of winning a title are unlikely anyway. You know, we hear a lot about leadership and I know that, you know, Danny talked about his role in the locker room might even be more important than on the court sure. with the Sixers. I want to explore that in a minute, but I want to take a quick break um, as one of the things that we like to do on the Kill Me Smalls podcast is promote charity. And there's no better charity than the one that my daughter is running. Uh, my daughter has a brain tumor. She uh, dealt with 18 months of chemotherapy. It's inoperable. Um, all the pain and suffering that goes through it. She's fought through it. She's doing great. Um, she gets a scan every four months and thank God she's doing fantastic. But one of the things that she noticed when she was looking at the kids going through chemotherapy is that there were plenty of toys and, and things surrounding the little kids, but the teenagers were withdrawn. You know, you'd see a 16 year old with a hoodie on and just pull it over their heads and just withdraw. So what she has done is started the small miracles charity where she's collected money and has really bought gifts to brighten the day for those who are going through this horrible 
chemotherapy disease, uh, cancer disease and going through chemotherapy. She raised $15,000 last year and was able to deliver it to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in the form of gift cards and, and, and toys and slippers and socks and things to make them comfortable during the process. And it's now a 501c3. It's a great charity. It's done a lot to help a lot of kids. And she continues to drive it. She's relentless. She's 17 years old and she impresses the hell out of me every day. If you're interested in finding out about Small Miracles, please go onto the website, smallmiraclesinc.org. Or if you're interested in contributing and you want to Venmo, it's small underscore miracles. So definitely a, a charity worth checking out. So Harrison, back to you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Danny and how he fits with the Sixers because, you know, one of the things that you talked about the indictment on Simmons and Embiid as a pairing will, or a referendum will come this year, really. Um, if you think about it, three years ago, there was a team with Simmons and Embiid and it had JJ Redick and it had, um, Dario Saric and it had Ursan Ilyasova and Marco Bellinelli and TJ McConnell. Then that team got beat by the Boston Celtics. Then the next year, they bring in Jimmy Butler, Tobias. JJ was still there. Then you know about the the doink, the four bounces uh, from Kawhi that that really ended that team. Jimmy Butler's gone. JJ Redick is gone. Bring in Al Horford. Keep Tobias. Um, and now that team did not work out. It didn't make sense. It was unbalanced. And now this year's team, Al Horford's gone. Josh Richardson's gone. You bring in Danny Green, you bring in Seth Curry, you've got shooting, you've got balance. It's an exciting prospect of what the team could be on the court. We talked about Danny Green's role off the court. Is that overstated? Is that overrated? And how does it matter in terms of the locker room presence? And where have you seen it matter in Danny's career? Mm, uh, where I've seen it matter was in Toronto. Um, the impact of uh, a guy coming into the locker room and, and, and passing on uh, the little things that matter on the way to a championship. Um, do you have an example of one of those things? Like, do you have, did Danny ever tell you a story, maybe off the record or, or off camera uh, yeah, rather? That, some stuff off the record that, <laughs> that you could share. That's, that makes sense yeah, to share. But, but when, it, uh, when it comes to, okay, we're on the road here. Um, as much as this guy might want to go out, you got to be back in your room by a certain time. Um, if you want to be successful the next day, or, um, I consistently come to practice 30 minutes early. And to me, that's not considered early. That's considered on time. Um, that's considered, um, I know it might not make sense to call out this screen in game 30 of a 72 or 82 game season against the Sacramento Kings, but trust me, if you don't get used to doing this now, it's going to happen to us in game five of the Eastern Conference Finals. And sometimes I think he might say a lot, and you know, it's interesting, it's almost as if uh, when you're speaking to somebody and they give you cliche statements, it really, the, it, cliche statements only hit if you respect the person it's coming from. Um, and that's and that where it might play a factor uh, with him because of his veteran status and what he's done and where he's been around. And yeah. I think specifically for guys like um, 
like Ben Simmons or no, certainly like a guy like Joel Embiid, for example. Danny's played with Tim Duncan and Anthony Davis. Um, and Marcus, Marcus Saul, who Embiid respects. Yeah. yeah, and then Danny's also played with LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard for Ben Simmons. So um, obviously Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are multitude of levels above Danny in terms of caliber of player. Um, but I think Danny having the approach of, I know where you stand, uh, but I played with guys who were on your level. And trust me, this is what they did that they're not telling the general public uh, uh, or just anybody else. So let me tell you this, you know, sealed information while we're teammates, because you're not going to get this if we're not playing on the same team. Does Danny have the same longevity of a career and the same impact on younger players and the same wisdom that he shares if he had not gone to the Spurs first? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think the Spurs were uh, a key to a lot of things that happened positively in his career. I think um, one was Manu Ginobili embracing him despite the fact that Manu Ginobili is a Hall of Fame player and Manu Ginobili was at peace with Danny yeah. starting over him. And I think that grace from Manu really set the tone uh, for the entirety of Danny's career um, going forward because I think um, that, that opportunity that he got in San Antonio after being uh, released by the released by the uh, the Cavaliers and then having to fight two different times to get on that roster, uh, I think having that opportunity given to him and him taking or him taking that opportunity and rolling with it and the grace that was displayed uh, by Manu and him not you know still embracing him yeah. and then Pop for being. Uh, hard on him, but yet still encouraging him. I think it's at the table uh, for everything that's happened since then. I don't think there is a Danny Green without the Spurs. Um, and ironically, uh, when I would cover Danny's games in high school, I would often tell him, I think you would fit in perfectly with the Spurs. And after a while, that actually what happened. That's actually what's led to where he is now. So um, so tell, tell me about now. Yeah. What put on your prognostication skills. Tell me what kind of a team the Sixers will have this year. Tell me where Danny fits. Tell me, does it all come together? Do they trade for James Harden? Give me your predictions for 2021. I don't think they trade for James Harden. Honestly, I feel as if a lot of the quote unquote noise um, is because James wants to end up with KD and Kyrie in Brooklyn. And I think all this noise makes Brooklyn come to the table a bit faster. I um, think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, that would be, regardless of the fit, you have those three those three guys on the team if they're healthy. That's scary. Yeah, and um, I think and I think that um, Houston's trying to drive the price up a little bit too. So I think there's a lot of manipulating in the media going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and then in terms of uh, the Sixers, I think they are – so I believe that the Bucks are, are, are the best team um, and similar to how they've been the last three years, can finish the East with the top record. And then after that, I think there's, there's just a logjam of five to six teams that are right, that are right after them, whether it's, whether it's Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, um, Philadelphia – 
yeah. Miami. So you got five those five teams after Milwaukee. So you have about six teams, I believe, uh, in that in in the Eastern Conference. And honestly, and I and I felt this way for the past two years. How far the 76ers go pretty much is relying upon the matchup. I feel as if if they had the opportunity to play the Bucks in the second round, they have a great chance of winning because they have oppor- they have uh, reasonable defenders uh, for Giannis Antetokounmpo. But if they ended up against maybe the Boston Celtics, that might be a different case just because of how uh, they've struggled with them. Or I'm trying to think of another team that might give them that they might play well against. Um, they might have a good chance against Brooklyn because you could see Matisse as being somebody who can guard Kyrie or KD and Ben Simmons as somebody who can guard KD. I think it, I think the East really comes down to matchups, to be honest with you, um, how you favor against. Now, they might have a harder time with a team like Miami because of Bam out of the, out of bio and his ability to guard Joel and be a menace. And then obviously Jimmy Butler is a menace as well. Uh, so I think it really just comes down to matchups, to be honest with you. Uh, what I'm curious about, and this is why teams could be matchup proof, and we've seen it the past two years with the past two champions. If you have the ability to play five players on the on the court at all times, that you could switch down the line defensively, like you feel good. If if you get in an awkward situation, they can't target anybody, and mm-hmm. at the same time, on the offensive side of the ball. If you spread the fall, if all five guys can hit threes or at least attract attention in their respective spaces on the court, then you're really cooking with hot grease. Yeah, I think you make a great point. Yeah. Last question. Will you give the Killing Me Smalls podcast a shout out on the next green room? Say less. It's done. (laughs) Done. All right. Yeah. Harrison, I hope you're an awesome guest and you do a great job on that podcast and, and it's really great getting to know you and I know that you're going to be around and, and can you, can you commit to coming back on the show a couple of times this year? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. We can definitely do it. Definitely. Awesome. Perfectly we'll do it. Perfectly. We'll do it in a more favorable time to Pacific time people. Cause I'm still, and I'm still in LA and I'm popping. No, we're not live. It's okay. We're recording this and sending <laughs> it out. It's okay. They can, they yeah. can record it and actually they can see it on yeah. YouTube by subscribing to the painted lines because all of our podcasts are there and they do a great job. We've got all kinds of basketball and, and football and, and baseball podcasts and some hockey and some culture. It's a great, great podcast network. And of course, you can subscribe to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to the Killing Me Smalls podcast and give it a rating and a review. I'd really appreciate it. Harrison, where can everybody follow you? Uh, Harrison Sanford on Twitter and uh, Hi Def. H-I-D-E-F, Sanford on Instagram. Harrison, thank you for joining the Killing Me Smalls podcast. We will be back next week.